0: This is the Christian Fix Podcast with the Reverend Michael Thompson. Listen and be blessed. afternoon, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, trusting that we are all well in the Lord. Amen, church? Today, I have been saddened to preach to you from the text, Romans 12, verses 1-8. to Let us pray. Most righteous, Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we thank you again. We thank you for another day that you have given to us that we can come here and worship you and honor you and glorify your name. We thank you for your home and doors, Lord. The Lord today, as a man servant, I pray that your word will go forth today. And it will pierce the hearts of those who are here and those who are listening from afar. Life will be transformed and souls will be won. I also pray as your manservant that you will anoint me afresh. Lord, that you will empower me to your Holy Spirit that I will speak thus say the Lord. Take over right now in Jesus' name. We ask and pray. Amen and amen. My sermon topic for you today is true worship is our mandate. True worship is our mandate. That is the mandate of every Christian. And the main idea from this text, Romans 12. One to eight is simply worship. And also, in the broader context of the book of Romans, it is the righteousness of God. Amen, Church? Amen, Lord. But before I begin to preach customarily, I love to give a historical context a background of the text. This text was written by the Apostle Paul. And here the Apostle Paul wrote this text to the church in Rome because there was tension between the Jews and the Gentiles in this church. It was a church that had both Jews and Gentiles in it. Gentiles, so you can see the dilemma. Because in those days there wasn't any love love between the Jews and the Gentiles. So there were tensions. There were differences because of... the cultural cultural ways of these two set of people of expressing their faith and even their worship. Also in this church, as I said before, there was tension, there was classism because the Jews in the days of Paul or even when the Lord Jesus Christ was on the face of this earth, behaved like they were the only people of God. So there was classism. The Jews in those times saw Gentiles and as dogs, they called Gentiles dogs. So you can see what I am talking about when it comes to this church. Also, this Roman church was located in Rome. And Rome was the capital city for the Roman Empire at that time, my friends. So Paul penned this letter to this church in Rome, my friends. So this is the context that I will preach to you from this afternoon. And I have here for you an outline regarding this text. Is a popular text, Romans 12, verses 1 to 8. As I said, my sermon topic is true worship is our mandate. And I want to start here with my first outline which is God's mercy, my friends. It is because of the mercy of God why even we can survive and live a faithful Christian life, my friends. So here Paul is saying to us here, That the Christian living hands on true worship. Not vain worship, not false worship, but true worship, my friends. And I just want to read here a couple of the verses here to you. This afternoon, Paul began this text by saying, "I, bese- I beseech you, therefore." And any time you see the word "therefore" in a text, Paul is actually saying to us with this word "therefore," for that reason. For that reason. Suppose I beseech you. For that reason. Brethren. By the mercies. Of God. That. He or you. Present your bodies. A living sacrifice. Or some text is a Wholly acceptable. Unto God which is your reasonable service. I don't want to stop there. So here Paul in his beginning is saying here that for that reason the mercy of God is mercy. We must present our bodies as a living sacrifice wholly accepted unto God, which is reasonable service, my friends. So here I want to expound more on the mercy of God, this mercy that Paul was talking about. So here we are sinners from creation, my friends. And if we go back to the Genesis story, God made man and put them in a garden. And they were deceived by the devil and tricked, And sin came into this world. Then God sends his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that we could deceive. saved. But even despite of that, man rejected God. And God decided, and Paul expounded it in Romans 8, to exercise election. There's a doctrine named election, and there's a doctrine named reprobation, my friends. And in this election, God chooses, or select, who will serve his son, and who will become a Christian. And then those who have rejected, who continue to reject, this is a doctrine of reprobation. God allowed them to self-destruct. Because sin is something self-inflicted. God don't cause anybody to sin. So I'm saying here, this mercy that Paul is talking about today, my friend, Lord one more, is that we are privileged. We are privileged that we are not part of the reprobation system. That we were selected because of his mercy and his love. So Paul is saying here, for that reason now, that reason we must do what? Present our body as a living sacrifice, holy and accepted to God, and that is a reasonable service. Amen, Amen, church. So there is no need because of this mercy to be disobedient. We need to be disobedient to God because He has chosen us when Jesus said it, the scripture said it, the gospel said it, that you didn't choose God. It's God who chooses you through his mercy and his love. So God deliver us by sending his son to die, and then that some of us can be saved, my friends. So we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it, my friends. Is because of the common grace of God, and especially for Christian saving grace. So Paul is saying to you, I say to this church in Roman, in uh, Rome, pardon me, that we must present ourselves as a living sacrifice, Amen. and this sacrifice. Is a act of worship. So Paul here is talking about worship. So I want to say to your church, church, worship is not coming here and singing a song. Worship is not about just singing a song and going back to your yard. Worship is a lifestyle. So when you leave church and go home from Monday to Saturday, you must engage in worshiping God. It's not coming every Sunday and sing, my friends. And so here, I want to look at this act of worship, some type of worship that is required when it comes to God, my friends. As I said, worship is a lifestyle. You must live it. It's not something where you switch on and switch off. It's not a hobby. It's a lifestyle. So when you wake up in the morning, you worship. You worship when you're cooking. You worship when you're driving. You worship when you're bearding. When you're at work in your quiet time you're worshipping God so it's a lifestyle my friends and Christian needs to know that because many of us believe that worship is when you sing to God it's more than that my friends this worship or this act of worship that Paul is talking about is one total surrendering to God that is worship Self denial. Deny yourself if not is not about you, it's about God. My friends. Total submission to the will of God in obedience. This is worship. Worship continues. Absolute trust in God. That is worship. And also, worship is God. You allow God to be in control of your life. Your low is done to be Lord of your life. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. You are under that. That is worship. And I want to say to you today, a lot of Christians have problems with that. We are not totally surrendering to God. Some of us is still rebellious. Some of us still want to do things our own way. But I am saying to you, this is the worship that God requires. And if you do any other worship, it's it's me. It's false worship. And I tell this worship, I've been from just even the temple of the church. You remember the woman at the well? And she was talking to Jesus about worshiping. They will worship at Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her. There will come a time that you have to worship. Worshiping. In what the Messiah. In what spirit and in truth. It moves from the physical temple. of the church. That's why from Monday. To Saturday you'll be tested. To see. If you are offering to God. To worship my friend. Worship is about holiness and righteousness. We must let go of the idols in our life because you can't give worship to God and still have idols. You can't give worship to God and engage in idolatry. And what do I mean by that? You put something else in front of God. Some of us the only time we put God first is Sunday morning when we come to church. We don't call ourselves Sunday morning holies. All of us do that at some time in our lives. That's idolatry. God must come first. So we have a ride dance. Sometimes our ride dance or the entertainers, the movie style. Yes. Those are the things that we idolize. Yet the young people would idolize the rappers and the dancehall artists who are telling them that the way of life should be killing and stealing. All of these things are humanizing. These are some of our idols. Our idols can be our spouses. Our idols can be our work. Her idols can be. Her cars, her material gains. or cars, or house. Her clothes. Her money. These are the things that we put in front of God. And they are contrary to true worship. You have Christians who are engaged that. You have Christians who have money. And they put their money in front of God. My friends, so I am saying that is not the act of true worship when it comes to God. Listen here, my friends, worship is instructive, so God instructs you what to do, not you get up and do what you feel or what you like, my friends. Worship is also cognitive. This has to do with your mind. It is acquiring knowledge mentally, through thoughts, experiences, and the senses. So, worship comes from that. Our body, church, must yield to God, as Paul said. It must be a living sacrifice. The Christian living is a sacrificial one. Amen. You must make sacrifice. Amen. That's why I can't support the doctrine of prosperity because the Christian walk and the Christian life are living is a sacrificial one. Amen. You have to make a decision. You have to give up your high dance. Yeah. So, you have to make a sacrifice when it comes to the worshiping of God. Because the body, right now, before you come to God, are you when you come to God? The body is still living in a sinful way, and you need to be disciplined. You need to discipline that body. You have to discipline the body. Yes. You know what do I mean by that? Says in his temple theology, saying to us when he he writes that what? The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God. So we must discipline it a particular way. Yeah? We can't treat it part of my language. Like a gas station that everybody just come and go. A room for rent apply within. Or we eat whatever we want to eat to destroy the body. It belongs to God. So we must discipline it a particular way. So that it is holy and acceptable and pleasing to God. But you with some young people nowadays, people we are 30, look like 60 and 70. You're born, be a ganja. You young people, them nowadays, I be a ganja, them are my born. And when you're looking at them hand, I floss, floss, a flask. Flask back backer, with what? Rum and bull. And then boom, pardon me. And then drink every day. They're not going eat food. That is how they treat the body. That is not true worship. God gave you that body and you need to take care of it, my friends. So we must develop this discipline. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Worship is the key to how God responds to host even our worship, right? You expect some positive from God. Because if you reject God, reject Him Son, reject Him Word, how could you expect a positive response from God? God needs what? True worshippers. And I'm telling you, it has transcended from just singing, being a beautiful singer. I say that you're a true worshiper because you have people who come and praise and worship. I what do I say? And they're not a true worshiper. Those things that I talk about submission, self denial, and all of these things they don't do it. So, worship takes on this the act of worship. So, Paul was saying it to this um, church in Rome. Then, Paul went out here and he said, What? And this is my next outline. Do not conform. Do not be conform. Paul went on and he said here. And be not conformed to this word. But, all right, let me just stop right there. Be not conformed to this work. So let us look at that. First year, this afternoon. The church is already... Conforming to this word. I have traveled and I have seen. A lot of church. Conforming. To the cons of the deal. To the things of the world. Sometimes we say. In our churches. We are not attracting. The right people in Enough people. So hence method is mixed in the world of things. And not even the method we have gone past the method we have chewed out the real word of God. And we're using what the world is using right now. I see it wherever I go but it must stop. So Paul is saying to this church in Rome. Because remember I tell about the tension and all kind of things. And it comes because of culture and all of these things. Things from the world. Deacon did Pauline Paul So Paul is saying to them. Don't conform. That, that, that grace. That mercy that Paul began, began with. That love of God. That have chosen you. And as Paul said in Romans 8. Those evil he knew he called and what? Predestined. God working on you through his Holy Spirit. You should not come out. Listen. Paul is saying you're living in the world in a sin. And look how you're special. This one big net. And God decide to choose you rather than to take you out to never deserve it. I want Christians to look at it like that. We should be thankful. And as Paul said, we should give up this worship that Paul is talking about. Make your body be our a living sacrifice. And not conform. To the culture of the deer. To everything of the deer. My grandmother used to say, and every jump and knock. You follow. And every tune you dance to. You are set apart by God. To His mercy. That is what Paul is saying. You could have been on the road of destruction. But God takes you out. Takes you out. So he's saying, do not conform. Paul is saying to them, reject the things of the world. You are Christians, still love the things of the world, one foot in and one foot out. Reject, Paul is saying, don't conform. Reject the things of the world. And I want to say to the church today, the church is a called old people are a body to what? to serve God to worship God that's when he called the old fire I said you hold on me up up our sinners and he chose us to election you know much people is left to reprobation I wonder if you think about it. That will be destroyed. So when. You are a Christian. Don't take. Take the Christian life. For your business. Worship is not a hobby. As I said before. It's a lifestyle. And there are some enemies when it comes. To worshiping God. And I just want to look at them. Three million enemies. This afternoon my friend. One is the world. First one is the world. This is our enemy. We're coming from out of it. And I'm talking about the secular world. Secular means it's not biblical, it's not half God. And we still engage in secular activities. And that is not worship when it comes to God. Two, the flesh. The flesh is untamed desires. Desires that we can control. But only through, through worship and through the Holy Spirit of God, we can control the flesh. Only God alone can control the flesh, no matter who you are. It is untamed desires. And the last one, but not least, Satan. This is the one from creation that has deceived humanity in the garden of Eden. He's deceptive. He will deceive you. He will deceive you, body, me. He will what? Tempt you. And the only way you can overcome that is when you are what? Engaging true worship when it comes to God. And what is true worship? Surrendering, self-denial, submitting totally, total trust in God. That's the way you can resist the devil. True worship. And Paul is calling these Christians to say you must do that. There's another enemy here, a lesser enemy, but it is serious. Your belief system. I'm talking about your worldview. Your value system. You know that you have Christian, which their worldview is secular. Your worldview must be biblical, it must pass on. The biblical word of God. So everything. You must choose. You must see pardon me. Through the lens. Of the word of God. So you can have the dominant culture. Of the day. Which is secular. But a rock line. Make you have a secular worldview. You must challenge that. Biblically. Because you are a Christian. My friends. This forms what a moral atmosphere and compass for you. And if you're not doing the right thing, it will be dominated by the devil. Your thinking, your thinking, will come from the devil. Your thoughts will come from the devil because your worldview is not biblical. So Paul, he said, do not conform. And I'm saying to you, do not conform, my friends, to this world. Paul went on and he said, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that he may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul not talking about true worship is about Transformation. You must transform. If you were living. In a world of sin and in sinful activities. And you have been taken out by God through election. You must not conform. And for you not to, not to conform. You must transform. Transformation number one. Changing. Let me say to you. When God sees you. He, he gave the salvation. And what is salvation? The changing of masters. You never the master of Satan. I know your master is Christ Jesus. Amen. So that's where your worship must go. You must transform. My friends. The whole man must transform. First from the inner. To the outer. But you know, sometimes I transform by wearing pretty clothes and look good or whatever, the outer, they alter, there. And I we can have a full man. Yeah. We can a full man, you know. But that will be false. Will be fear? The real transformation comes from inside, first, and within. It touches your heart till it reaches your brain and then your we'll actions. So we must transform the whole man. We must acquire the mind of Christ. In this transformation, this true worship, we must acquire the mind of Christ. So the way we think, we must think like Christ. We must be Christ like. And then, this same transformation takes you to a place of relocation. You're moving from a sinful place to a place of what? holiness. To the body of Christ. To the family of God. Yes? So it's relocation. You're not the place that you used to be in the past, that sinful place. You know a child of God. Which worship God. That's what Paul is saying to this church. At Rome. God is in charge. My friends. And when you talk about. Transformation here my friends. I want to look at an illustration. For you this afternoon. Now oh, you listen to me carefully. You have teachers inside you and when you used to go to school in science class, they used to teach you this process. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. I don't want you to listen carefully to this illustration. Metamorphosis is when the caterpillar changed into a butterfly, a beautiful butterfly. Let us look at the caterpillar because this is very, very important and interesting. And I want, you, I want to drag your mind there. Look at the caterpillar. Some of them have some big, rough, ugly looking something. Green and green thing come out of them. They're very destructive. They may eat of any tree. Eat of any leaf. But in the process of metamorphosis, the caterpillar goes into a cocoon and then changes into a beautiful butterfly that we can sit all day and watch them fly about, how beautiful they are. So when you have been selected by God, through his Holy Spirit, he takes you from a caterpillar which is ugly and destructive and full of sin to a beautiful butterfly through his mercy and his grace and his love. Amen, church? So, this world whole worship process takes on a form of metamorphosis. So when you submit to him, deny yourself, surrender, give him total trust, you will move from the ugly caterpillar to the beautiful butterfly that flies around. That is so friendly with their heart. and calms your spirit as you watch them, my friends. So, this is important. So, Paul is saying, You must transform. Why you want to continue to be an ugly butterfly? I'm sorry, pardon me, an ugly caterpillar. Why? It is time to transform into a butterfly. But how do you transform, my friends? Paul have it here. How the transformation can take place. Paul said, but. All right, he said, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your minds. That he or you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you transform. Paul is saying. By the renewing of your mind. Remember, I said it's a place of location. You know, you're know not a sinful way, well, you understand activities of the world again. You are now a Christian. And you must live a life of worship. So Paul is saying by this, happen. you must renew the mind. And I ask the question to you. Are we doing that as Christians sufficiently? Because many Christians, I use these two C words, they came to Christ convicted. But they have not changed, they have not transformed, they have not converted. So it's a process of conviction and then Conversion. So after you are convicted and you give up yourself as a living sacrifice, you should not conform to the things of the world. Then you must transform. The world needs to see this transformation. We will win more souls when we are transformed, my friends, today. Love for the so the mind must be renewed. And Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit, you must allow the Holy Spirit to take over our mind in what our thinking through a constant study and meditation of the Word of God. You know, many of us have followed the word. Many of us now meditate for the word. As we tell you, some of us we just come church Sunday and we will go, well, that's it, till Sunday morning again. So you're giving God our, our heart in worship. You come on Sunday and some of us will jump to the sky. But Monday, To Saturday, no worship. So we must have constant study of the word. And meditation. This renewing of the mind is what? Knowing the sovereign will of God. So when you renew your mind. Deacon Paulie. You are knowing the sovereign will of God. True worship, my friends. So when the mind is renewed, you know what I'm. You will resist the devil daily. When your mind is renewed, church, you will resist the devil daily, or the devil to defeat a Christian that is given true worship. One who denies himself, one who submits totally to God, one who surrenders to God, one who absolutely trusts in God. The devil can never overcome a Christian like that. In renewing your mind, you must keep focused on the things of God, think on the things above. Not on the things on earth, don't build up treasures on earth, but in heaven. That is the process of the renewal of the mind. You're changing from one location to another, a better place. You left this sinful place. a place of holiness as I tell you you are no caterpillar no more you are no butterfly the beautiful butterfly in the sight of God so Paul was saying to this church this is what you must know it's about worship but in verse 3 to 8 Paul spoke and wrote about an extension of worship And this includes what? Serving. So remember, me telling you, Tansha, Jews not love Gentiles. So a, Jew, Jew, a, a Jewish a doesn't serve a Gentile. Even righteousness didn't happen. But Paul had to write the Word of God. So, the worship, the true worship of God extend to service in the church. Yeah. Paul said we must serve one another. He said here as he goes down here, he said here, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he had to think but to think soberly according as god had dealt to every man the measure of fear so paul is talking about humility here let me say something about humility it's not humility is a gift that comes from the grace of god and it's not it doesn't mean that when you're humble you're full of humility you're lessening yourself. And that means that. Because sometimes an humble man doesn't feel like he must have put down himself. He must have lessened himself. No. Humility means that you display less of yourself. Yeah. That is humility. So sometimes you alone some other people who have other gifts in the church to operate. So, Paul is saying worship extends to serving each other. So, you know, think of yourself bigger than one or a man. No matter even if you know the man, this possession, what he is, or what. When you put it, the man file or the woman file, you know the background in the church or when you're worshiping God. It's not like that. You know, many times what it as christian we say, listen i will worship and serve god but we now serve man now serve man in a world like that my friends the kingdom of god is about god in heaven and man they intertwine the world together humanity and god so you can love god and want to serve god I don't love man. I serve man. And you not belittle yourself. To serve man. Serve the church. You are doing it for God. Yes. So I'm saying to you here. Humility. Paul spoke about Then Paul went on. And he spoke about the gifts. And here Paul is saying these diverse gifts in the church, we must work them in unity. He spoke about them. And for the people who think that the only gift, the only gift is tongues, let me read this to them so that they can understand. Paul said, with a prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Our ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth and teaching, or he that exalted and exaltation. You hear that? We don't consider them yeah, as gifts, exaltation, teaching, ministering. They are gifts, prophesying. Are gifts, but Paul said true worship is when we do it in unity, diversity in unity. Paul said we are not given the same office, it's different. The Holy Spirit gives all of us different gifts, and that's why it is called the body of Christ, the body. Look at the body. It is made of tissues, bones, arteries, veins, blood run through us. But they all work together. If one part of our body not working together, I know we not trouble the body. Start so pop down. Let's so you go. So it's diversity in the unity. Paul also went on and he talked about what? Divine empowerment. So when we work together, serving one another, we're empowering each other. So instead of we look down on others and think of ourselves better than others, we are what? Divinely empowering each other. Amen. So we must divinely empower each Paul telling the church at Rome that because he recognized what was happening in the church. The fourth thing is reconciliation. We Paul spoke about the ministry of reconciliation. He wrote about it. One body, one Lord, one baptism, one faith. It's about a oneness. One account. So there should not be any disconnection among the body, we must try to bridge the generation gap because, often time in church, young people they over yasso, middle years they over yasso, old people they over yasso, and the gap is not bridge, so that is not true worship, as Paul is explaining. So that because you are Jew or you are Gentile, it's one faith. One Lord. One baptism. Come together. Serve each other. That's the next part. Of the worship. My friends. As he spoke about that from. First three to eight. And today. My friends. In Ludford Mount. Let us apply. To ourselves. What Paul was saying. He said first. We must extend mercy to others. Because mercy was extended to us. We never deserve the position that we are in. We should have been on destruction ruined. But because of the mercy and the love of God, we are here. He chooses us. So we must exercise mercy to one another. Two, make worship a lifestyle. I urge you today: not making me on a Sunday morning thing. A lifestyle, and that lifestyle must be about surrendering to Him, denying yourself, submerging all about Him, disciplining your body, submitting to Him totally. Have absolute trust in Him. That is the worship, my brothers and sisters. And the third application reject the things of the world, the secular world. What Paul said to the church in Rome do not conform. Do not conform. To the kings of the world, the secular worldview, the culture of the day, the idols of the time and the moment. Do not confirm. Let it be biblical for you. Everything you do, make it be biblical. Four, in our, in our application. Make the transformation. Be transformed. Be transformed by and I am saying when this transforma, transformation comes, it means that what we are shedding the whole man, the whole self. This transformation brings what changes and what newness. You are a new man, a new creation, new self. There's is a process of a relocation. You move from sin to holiness, my friends. And the fifth one is renew your mind. Renew your mind, church, because your child transform. Are not confirm, if you don't renew your mind. Start in the heart, starts in the heart, and then the mind, and then the actions. Renew your minds. Let the Holy Spirit take control of you. And then you will resist the devil. And one, focus on God in worship. And the sixth thing, serve one another in unity. No matter the differences, Brother Ranglan, you might have a different gift from your wife's Bali. You. but you serve in unity. And several last, be humble when serving. You are not better than each other. We are seeing. In the sight of God, Amen. And in conclusion, in closing, the mercy of God endures forever and forever. That's what the Scripture says, my friends. So the worship we must worship God. Which one? Everything we got. What Christ said about the two greatest commandments: We must love God with all our hearts, our mind, our soul, and everything. This worship comes from a promise of loving God. Because if you never love God, you will not worship Him. So that we must worship Him with everything we get. We have no, thank you, you. You know, Mr. Luda said, what kind of thank you, thank you, that? It must be powerful and forceful. Remember God chose us. I used to remind you. Remember God chose us. Not we choose ourselves. Not we choose God badly way. Reject the things of the world. Listen enough. You have some things in the world that we might conquer, we might have we were nice, the around, but they're no good for me. That is not the act of God. So there is nothing that comes from the world will amount to true worship. Of God. The word said. If you are a friend of the word. You are an enemy of God. So that will not. In a true worship of God. If you still love the things of the word. You must reject it. And I want to say to you. This afternoon. Transform. Your whole life. By renewing your mind, the in Christ Jesus. God desires a lifestyle of a holiness and righteousness, my Christian friends. Yeah. I don't know, of holiness, I don't know, switch team. Where well, you switch on to the And to my research as Paul wrote to Timothy, says not a form of holiness, no a form of holiness denies the power of God. So it's about a lifestyle of holiness and righteousness that comes from us. Serve your brothers and sisters, I want to say it again, serve them. Jesus washed his disciples' foot. In served in communion. He said, I didn't come here to be served, but what? To serve. Amen. But to serve. My friends. With humility. In unity. And for a church to get church healthiness. Two things. Because this church needed to become healthy. In worship and other things. Two things that must happen unity and holiness. Those are the character, our characters, I should say, pardon me, for a empty church. So I want to close with that for you today that we must become true worshipers, true worshipers is our mandate. And I urge every Christian here today, including myself, that this worship, this lifestyle, must be our mandate. I thank you for listening to the word of God. Amen. Amen. Here's my worship All of my word. Receive my worship. All of my worship. You have just listened to the Christian Fix Podcast with the Reverend Michael Thompson. Join us next week for another episode.